the Corbett family who have gone through almost six years of losing a loved one. The defence legal teams are talking retrial. Pre-trial submissions, negotiations with prosecutors, trips back and forth to the States, the build-up to a five-week trial, then the five-week trial, then they went through the appeals process, the Court of Appeals, and they're right back at square one now. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. This week, Tom and Molly Martins were freed from prison in the US after they were granted bail pending a retrial in the case of the murder of Limerick dad of two, Jason Corbett. He was beaten to death on August 2nd, 2015, but bail was granted after the murder convictions against father and daughter were overturned. Incredibly, the case is now back to square one. And for the Irish independence, Ralph Regal, who's covered it since the beginning, the future road remains unclear. He joined us in episode nine of Crime World and detailed the background to the brutal murder of Jason and the events that led to the case being appealed. Today, in a special Crime World Extra, Ralph describes the devastation for Jason's family as they face another epic journey on their road to justice. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Seeing those photographs this morning in the newspapers it was like one of those things you just never believed it was going to happen I just didn't think even though it was obviously such a possibility they were going to get this bail just to see them walk free this morning must have been devastating for the family I think it was and I think one of the things about it Nicola is the contrast because that was exactly the place where Tom and Molly were taken into custody back on August the 9th uh, 2017 after that five week trial so and it was where where Tom Martins briefly spoke to the media yesterday, basically to say that he was glad to be going back to his family and that he was going home. That was just a couple of metres from where Tracy Corbett Lynch had spoken to the media after the guilty verdicts and after the 20 to 25 year prison sentences and where she claimed that their faith in the justice system in North Carolina had been proven correct and that justice had been delivered for her brother. So I think the contrasts and and the, the place associations made it even more difficult for them. But it had been a very, very tough month because you had the Supreme Court verdict last month. You had all the speculation about a plea deal being offered, which was offered. Now, no one knows precisely why it didn't work out but there was a plea deal being negotiated. And then, of course, you've had some coverage in the American media, which the Irish family have found very upsetting because it has focused very much on the Martins' um, allegations of an abusive relationship. A lot of those allegations without much corroborative um, evidence behind it. Yeah, and we spoke before, we we detailed the, the, that sort of thing that was, that was brought up um, in the trial and at the time they were questioned and we spoke about how there was no backup of hospital records, there was no complaints ever made and uh, no one had ever been spoken. So obviously they are on that same um, mantra that they were 
that 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 morning that they were arrested that uh, that Jason Corbett was a violent man and that this was you know self defence. So they're they're still there. Um, how long have they been in jail? They've been in jail just shy of four years. I think it's actually three years and eight months. There'll be four years in prison on August the 9th next. And that was that's almost four years of a 20 to 25 year prison sentence. And just to put it in context, um, had there been a plea accepted to voluntary manslaughter, the sentencing parameters in North Carolina are from five years and seven months minimum up to nine years. Okay, so they even if they got the maximum sentence there, and uh, and if there was a plea bargain for manslaughter, they have at least half of it. Oh, they would have even served. more Do if they, they got, or even more. Yeah, at the bottom end of the scale, I think if there had been the, the, the certainly all of the informed um, context that that I was getting and information I was getting on it was that if there was a plea deal, the sentence would be at the very bottom end of the range, so that they would probably get around five years and seven months. Which I worked out that had they accepted it, they would have been released in March twenty twenty three. So less than two years to serve. Now Tom Martins looks well for a man of his years and the fact that he has been in jail that long. And he is, I understand, he he has had some sickness. He has well. been unwell, that's right. There was an mm. attempt um, by his lawyers to get him released from prison last year on the basis of his age, his health status, and the fact that COVID-19 was in some of the prisons in North Carolina. But, as, as, you know, when you talk about the images of himself and his daughter walking free yesterday, I mean, what struck me was that Tom Martins looked older, but he actually looked relatively well um, in contrast to the images of Molly who looked remarkably different to what she looked like when she was taken into custody almost four years ago. Certainly, I think it's fair to say that that prison took its toll on her. Most definitely. She she certainly looks, I mean, look, women can lean a little bit on grooming and makeup and things like that on the outside. Maybe there isn't that facility in prison or to have her ready for, for, for yesterday when she was to walk free. But she definitely looks as if it has taken a, a heavy toll on her. Do we know anything about... Um, what sort of a regime or what sort of prisons they were in? Were they tough prisons or were they... Um, they would be, I mean, any of the, the major prisons in North Carolina would be pretty much close to maximum security. Uh, Tom Martins, because of his background history, I mean, Tom Martin served for over 30 years in the FBI. And when he retired from the FBI, he then went to work as an intelligence operative with the Department of Energy, which might sound strange to a lot of your listeners. You can't imagine security operatives or intelligence operatives within the ESB here in Ireland. But in the United States, security around power plants and particularly nuclear power stations is taken very seriously. So that's the job he was doing at a a facility based in Tennessee, not far from his Knoxville home. Uh, but he was in he was in effectively in special measures so anybody that would have served in the police or things like that there would be a special protective regime for them but he was described as a model prisoner he never came to the attention of prison authorities he followed all the guidelines all the rules availed of every educational and training opportunity that he had uh, in stark contrast to his daughter Molly who I think had four or five breaches of uh, prison rules and at one point she was uh, stopped from receiving visitors that was just before last Christmas because of her constant breaches of prison rules things like uh, disobeying guards 
in terms of instructions uh, being found in an un, uh, an area of the prison she wasn't supposed to be in, um, being caught with non-lethal contraband, those kind of things. You spoke about the um, article in the American media. Did they actually, were they interviewed for that themselves? Uh, Molly was, yes. She was quoted quite extensively, actually, in that magazine article. Um, I can't recall that there was much from Tom in it. There may have been a couple of quotes from Tom at the time of the trial. Uh, the Irish family were quote, were interviewed for that, but they were very upset that a lot of the material that they had supplied was not used. And, and they were very aggrieved at the nature of the way the domestic abuse allegations were presented and a lot of the the contradictory elements of the trial weren't focused on, uh, particularly some of the major elements of evidence that was presented by the prosecution to secure the second degree murder convictions. And from a basic level here in Ireland, a prisoner wouldn't be allowed to speak to the media in it, it would be against the rules. Obviously, in America, that's different. Yeah, it is. And I think that... It's fair to say as well that the, the the media has been an element in this story from the very beginning. There have been elements, you know, there's been tremendous sympathy for the Corbett family here in Ireland. You have to say that. And there's been a lot of support for their position in terms of any major developments or, or judicial developments in the case. And some elements of the American media have very much, I think, focused on the other side, which is looking at... Um, the domestic abuse allegations, taking a lot of the stuff that, say, the Martins would have said at pretty much face value. There was a couple of television interviews, um, which, I mean, it's extraordinary to think that um, Molly Martins never gave evidence in her own defence during the five-week trial back in 2017, but she had no problem sitting down doing a major television interview even before the jury had come back with their verdict. And that television show was actually broadcast, I think, in the 24, 48 hours after the conviction. Mm -hmm. They do things very differently in the States, all right. And, you know, I mean, the idea that somebody, and at the point she did her interview, she was awaiting this bail position. It's just, it just seems amazing. Um, well, I mean, it would be a great place for our media to be in if we had a bit more freedoms. But nonetheless, uh, there has to be a, a middle ground with it. So the plea deal is totally off the table. Um, so we're told. And um, the one thing I've learned about this case is that there have been so many twists and turns and developments in it. I mean, certainly all the indications are at the moment. The defence legal teams are talking retrial and the Corbett family here in Ireland, most specifically Tracy Corbett Lynch, who has been very much the person who has led the charge in terms of the campaign for justice for her brother. It's a remarkable campaign that she's run for the last six years to support uh, the prosecutors and to support the police in North Carolina. And the family have very much taken the view here that a, a plea, any plea deal would have been a betrayal of their faith in the entire justice system. So not only did they publicly say that they were going to oppose any plea deal, but they signaled that under a, a relatively recent um, element of North Carolina law, they would take a legal challenge to it. And that provides for families of, of victims of crime to be able to go to another judge and say that a plea deal is overly lenient and shouldn't be allowed. And as well as that, there was a petition launched to garner support both within Ireland and the United States to oppose this um, plea bargain negotiation. It's a measure, no doubt, of their love for Jason that they are, you know, 
preferably facing into another trial, which could be God knows when and take God knows how long. And all the trauma that goes with that, having to travel to the States, it, it just shows really um, how much they believe in, in getting justice for him. Yeah, um, it's terrible, Nicola, because like when you think about it, I mean, in the words of of of, of David um, Friedman, who's the lawyer for Tom Martins, he basically said, look, we're right back at square one. Uh, there's no conviction. Uh, Tom and Molly Martins are not guilty of anything. They're innocent and they have the full presumption of innocence. But within that statement, I mean, you have the Corbett family who have gone through almost six years of losing a loved one, pre-trial submissions, um, negotiations with prosecutors, trips back and forth to the States, um, the build up to a five-week trial, then the five-week trial. Then they went through the appeals process, the Court of Appeals, then the North Carolina Supreme Court. And they're right back at square one now and have to face into potentially exactly the same thing. And what's also interesting to bear in mind is that the original trial took five weeks from the beginning of quite a laborious jury selection process up until the conviction and sentencing. Because of the North Carolina Supreme Court ruling, there's going to be, if when the retrial happens, there will be major elements of new evidence, which wasn't admitted in the first trial, admitted in this trial. So it is quite possible that a retrial could last anywhere from six to eight weeks. It's just a nightmare for them. Um, Ralph, we went into full detail about this case in episode nine of Crime World, which is available uh, where anybody gets their podcast. So that that details the background to this case and really, in a way, why we should continue watching what happens here. And uh, no doubt we'll come back to you again over the coming months to see to see where, where it's all going. Thank you very much, Ralph. Honour to be asking. From sundayworld.com, this is Crime World, produced by Ian Mullaney. Available online and on all podcast platforms. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. And if you want to get in touch, check out our Facebook page, Crime World with Nicola Talent.